with the chairman of the board of the Master's College and Seminary, Jim Rickard. You see Jim Rickard around now and then. He hates to lose. He just hates it. In fact, it, he borders on carnality <laughs> when he loses. But anyway, the other day, I've been playing fairly well. And so the other day, um, we were coming in a tough hole, five-par hole, and I birdied it. I hit a... Uh, I hit a wedge about 110, four feet from the pin, tapped in for a birdie. And he had a seven, and I loved it. I loved it. We came up to the next hole, which is a three-par over a lake, and uh, he teed it up, hit the ball. It looked like it was going straight, which was remarkable. And it kept going straight. And I didn't say anything. I just kept watching it, and it hit the front of the green. It's about a 155-yard hole, and it just kept going, and then it disappeared. It was a hole-in-one. And the three strokes that I gained, he got back real quick. We were nip and tuck. It takes a hole-in-one to stay close to me, you understand. We got... <clears throat> we got... We got down to the end. We were on the 18th hole, right? I hit a long drive on a five par. I'm close enough I can use a four iron to the green. I come up a little short. He's off in the trees somewhere. So all I got to do is beat him by one stroke and I win. I take out my wedge, pop it up about 10 feet from the hole. Going to putt for my birdie putt. He's off the green somewhere. I don't know. His head, you can see the top of it. He's down below. The ball comes over the trap, rolls across the green, turns, curves, comes back in the hole. I said, Lord, if you want me in the ministry, I'll stay, you know. I mean, I'm not going to make it in golf if he's going to have to do that to me. Miracles on the golf course. It's very hard to take. We have a lot of fun. And uh, Jim really gives a tremendous amount of service. He really leads a ministry called Stewardship Services, which is a a ministry to pastors doing their taxes and which is a holding stewardship seminars and doing financial counseling all across America. But he also gives an awful lot to the college as chairman of our board, and we're very, very grateful for him. And uh, I've asked him to come this morning just to share some things with you by way of perspective on some financial things. You know, you need to have a little bit of a feel about where we are and what's kind of going on, then I'll follow it up with a few final comments. Jim Rickard. John, De uh, John MacArthur just declared war. I don't know if you realize that. I don't know how many of you have had a chance to play golf with him, but it's quite an experience. When he tees the ball up, if you've got a foursome, and you usually need a foursome to follow his ball, you have no idea which direction the thing is going. It could go extreme right, extreme left, and I can remember one time when he teed the ball up, took a swing at it, and the ball never moved. He didn't tell you the whole story. There's chapter two. <laughs> chapter number two started in the parking lot. John was given a new pair of golf shoes for Christmas, and he was sort of admiring them and showing them to me as he put them on. And We got into the cart, and we were going through the course. We came to a hole, I think it was number five, and there's a drought in Southern California, in case you haven't heard. 
And the ponds on this golf course are dry. There's no water. You've heard of black ice. Those of you who are from the Midwest know of black ice. That's when you're driving down the street and it's winter and it looks clear and you drive and it's ice under what you think is a safe, dry road. Well, this was white mud in these ponds. As is typical on the fifth hole, John teed the ball up, hit the ball, it went extreme to the right, into the middle of one of these ponds that is dry with white mud. We pulled up to the pond in the cart, and I, being the gentleman that I am, said, I'll get your ball. He said, no, 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 I'll get the ball. So he proceeds to vault out of the cart, jumps into the pond, which is dry, only he thought it was dry. And he proceeded to sink up to his calves in mud. I'm rolling on the ground. But he keeps going. You know, he's, you talk about being competitive. You know, he's up to his calves and he's up to his knees, but he's determined to get that ball. Well, he does. He retrieves the ball and he figures while I'm out here, there's a lot of balls, so he just starts collecting golf balls. <laughs> so when he finally works his way back, and gets out by the cart. I'll tell you, I, I, it's been years since I've laughed. His heart, I mean, he was mud from head to toe. Literally. You couldn't see the shoes. They were white. I mean, they were all black with mud. Um, that's typical. You know, I go out for fellowship. And so when you tee off, you don't see John MacArthur until you put out on the 18th green. He's, you know, he's in the trees and the water and the mud. Okay. <laughs> I'm thankful he's been called into the ministry. <laughs> he sure doesn't belong on a pro golf tour, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Two weeks ago today, we had uh, board meetings here at the college. There are 18 directors or trustees of the college. They're from all different parts of the country. Some are from Idaho, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, a number of them from California, one from Washington, D.C., one from Indiana. We meet three times a year. We meet in October after school begins. We meet in February after the second semester begins. And then we meet at the graduation exercises or in May. During this meeting in February, we, we made some decisions that we think are good decisions, and, and we, I'll share some of those with you in just a second. But before I do that, I thought I would just take a couple minutes and share with you a little bit the history of the school. I don't know if you know this or not, but this college is 64 years old. It was originally the Los Angeles Theological Seminary, Los Angeles Baptist Theological Seminary. It started on May 17, 1927 in downtown Los Angeles started by four Baptist churches, two in L.A., one in Pasadena, and one in San Bernardino, San Bernardino. Four pastors who had a burden to start a theological seminary on the West Coast. In August of 1959, the board called Dr. Duncan to be its president, and he served as president of the school for 25 years. 
1932, the college became part of an association known as the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches. I think the history here will help you get some perspective of how far we've come and how the Lord is blessed. The General Association of Regular Baptist Churches is an organization of about 1,500 churches throughout the United States. The last 20 years, it's had nine different colleges that it has endeavored to support, a very difficult chore. 1961, the board of directors of the Los Angeles then Baptist College, because it became a liberal arts school in addition to the seminary, it purchased 27 acres in the Placerita Canyon, where we're now located. When they moved out here, there was two buildings. There was the stone building, which you see as the registrar's office, and there was a garage, which has since been dismantled. That was it, 27 acres. In 1974, the seminary moved to Tacoma, Washington. It became the Northwest Baptist Seminary. So prior to 1974, it was with the college, then the liberal arts school and the seminary. They separated in 1974. In October of 1984, after 25 years as president, Dr. Duncan resigned as president to become chancellor of the school. Most of you know him. If you don't, you see him around campus. Uh, it'd be interesting sometime to get the perspective from him in the history of the school. Quite a man of God. When he resigned, we as a board began to do a search for the next president. That search led to the name John MacArthur. When his name was first introduced, we sort of snickered on the board. I guess a hearty laugh would be more. Uh, because we never thought we'd have a chance to get him. You know, here he is, pastor of one of the largest churches in America. And we just felt the opportunity to get him to come out and be president of this little Baptist college would be very slim. So one of the men of the, on the school, administrators, talked to John and, and sensed an interest. So we as a board pursued it. To make a long story short, May 11th, 1985, John MacArthur became president of the college. What you need to know is that that took a lot of courage of the board of trustees for one main reason. The school, for 58 years, had been a Baptist college. One of the negatives of denominationalism is when an organization like the GARBC or CBA or whatever have colleges, it's not a relationship, it becomes an ownership. And when we as a board of 18 men made the decision that day to call John MacArthur as president, we knew that the Los Angeles Baptist College would no longer be a Baptist college per se. It would be an independent college. We voted at that same meeting to change the name to the Master's College. I would have to say, in my years of serving the Lord and being involved in organizations across this country, I, I think that those 18 men did one of the most courageous things that I've seen in my time. Because we all knew that when we made that vote and we walked out of that boardroom that we would all be targets of some criticism because of changing the name and because of making the Los Angeles Baptist College an independent school. We did what we felt was right for the cause of Christ. And as we look back to 1985 and the years hence, we have not regretted one moment making that decision. We thank God for how he led in the hearts and the minds of those men. The cause of Christ was the issue, and still is to this day. You students have been a vital part of a great movement, I believe. God has blessed. We have grown from 275 students, and now with the seminary, to over 1,000 students, 840 in the college. 
We have a campus that went at that time in 1985 from 48 acres to now 110 acres. We have built four buildings. We just are thankful for the way the Lord has sent students like you to us and the privilege of being involved in a great ministry. With that history, I want to share with you a couple of decisions that were made at the recent board meeting. So if the fellows would show the first slide on the overhead here, I would appreciate it. Can you everybody see that okay? Just give you an idea that the total school year of 91-92, what it will take to operate this school is going to be $9.8 million, $9,884,300. To give you some perspective on that, when I first got involved in a college in 1973, the budget was $650,000. When John MacArthur became president in 1985, the budget was $2.2 million. Today it's 9.8, almost 9.9 million dollars. This does not count the seminary. Seminary is another million one. The gift income required to meet that budget of 9.8 is 1.3 million dollars. So this next school year, we have to raise a million three hundred thousand dollars in order to meet the budget of 9.8. The purpose of the 1.3 is to keep our costs down, our costs to you students down to a minimum. How do you do that? By gift income. What's the next best way to do that? By getting more students. What's the next best way of raising income? By adding to tuition, fees, room, and board, which we're committed to keep at a minimum from this point on, as far as the increases are concerned. This year we'll raise about $800,000 in gift income, the current year that we're in, if we continue on the present path that we're on. The board has stepped out on faith that we will raise another 500,000 next year or a million three. We did that because we wanted to keep the increases for next year to use students at a bare minimum. That equates to $1,596 per student that we need to raise for next year's budget to meet the million three. Okay? Next, Next slide. Want to announce the increases for next year. The tuition this year for 12 to 18 hours is $3,265. Next year it's going to go to $3,380. It's a $115 increase per semester. Room and board will go from $1,845 a semester to $1,905 a semester. That's $60 a semester. The student service fee will stay the same, no increase. The total tuition room, board, and fees will go from 10640 this year to 10990 next year. That's a $350 increase. The percent increase is 3.3%. I just read an article in USA Today this morning that said the average private increase cost in tuition, room, and board this year across the country is going to go anywhere from 6 to 11%. Our commitment was to keep it at a bare 3.3%. Wish we could have kept it at zero. But if we'd have kept it at zero, that would have meant our gift income of 1.3 would have been about 1.6. So we felt we needed a modest increase just to keep our gift income projections within reason. Next slide, please. With that in mind, what I asked uh, the fellas to do was to give you a breakdown of the comparative costs 
of colleges that you're aware of in this area. And they're in order of cost. You see Westmont, we don't know what their next year's costs are going to be. We couldn't get that information. But this year, it's $15,550 for tuition, room, and board. Cal Lutheran, Biola, these are in order, Azusa Pacific, Fresno Pacific, Point Loma, the Master's College, Christian Heritage College. You can see the Master's College is number seven out of the eight schools that we consider more or less the Christian colleges, quote-unquote, in Southern California. You're very astute. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> the only school out here that's cheaper than us is Christian Heritage College. Um, and, of course, you're talking a difference of 300 students versus a, stu a college of 840, so obviously it's a little more for us to operate. But that gives you a comparison. We feel that, that we, have, we have tried, students, to keep our costs at as, as low as we can to make your cost of coming here as affordable as possible. I know it's tough. We're trying to do everything we can to enhance the financial aid area, to get more money available for student scholarships. We appreciate your patience and understanding in that. But I thought it was important this morning to give you an overview of where we're at and the decisions that we made as a board for your costs for next year. So a modest 3.3% increase and we, I want you to know that we are committed as a board to keep our increases in the future at a bare minimum, probably in that category, max. Because we realize that, that it, as time goes on, as costs increase across the country, it's tougher and tougher for middle-income families to send their youngsters to Christian schools. We're committed to Christian college education. We're committed to the doctrines of the Word of God. That's why we call the John MacArthur to be president of school because of what he represents and what he stands for. So we thank you for your support. We thank you for your interest in the college, for what you mean to us. I have to say that I don't get paid for this. It's a volunteer job, and I love it. I've been involved in the school since 1973. I have the privilege of giving you your, your diploma as you walk down that, across that stage when you graduate, and I'll tell you, it's a blessing. I travel the country, run into a lot of graduates, and it's neat to see what graduates of the Master's College and Los Angeles Baptist College are doing for the cause of Christ. John? <laughs> he who laughs, last laughs best. Do you remember that old saying? Um, in the first place, um, That was not mud in that pond. For 22 years, that has been a duck pond. That was not mud. Mud does not smell like that. When I came home, my wife said, Where have you been? So I told her. It was hard. What he didn't tell you was the game we played before that. He shot an 88, and I beat him by 10 strokes. Is that true? Thank you. Yeah. 
I just want to kind of wrap things up a little bit here. I appreciate what Jim said. I want you to know my heart on this. The greatest challenge that uh, I have as a president, of course, is to try the best I can to give spiritual leadership to you. I love the school. I thank God continually for all of you, for the faculty administration. The greatest challenge I have is to just try to, through prayer and through spiritual leadership, through speaking in chapel now and then, through staying close to people in administration, pouring my life into them, and to just try to give a spiritual direction to the school. That's also the greatest joy. I have the privilege also not only of working with administration and the faculty, but also working with the board, which is a great joy as well. The toughest job is raising money. What you saw on the screen, we have to raise a million three for here and another six million, uh, 600,000 rather for the seminary, which adds up to $2 million. The toughest job for me is to raise $2 million. Um, I mean, there, there, there just aren't a lot of people who are waving it around saying, anybody want this? It's very challenging, very challenging. It's a matter of prayer. You need to know a little bit of the background, just briefly. When I came to the college, they said we have a $2.2 million debt. We haven't raised the faculty salaries in six years. We haven't fixed anything in 10 years. Uh, we got a lot of financial needs. We have 500000 in unpaid bills and no line of credit. And it went on and on and on. And they said, would you like to be the president? <laughs> sure. Sounds like a great deal. I, I had never raised a lot of money. I'm a Bible teacher and a pastor, and that's not my thing. But I felt the Lord was in it. We started... Bob Provost and I, we got on our knees on Monday and Russ, and we just began to pray, and that's all we knew to pray. And the first thing we knew, a man came along and said, I want to help you get started. Here's a million four. The largest gift I'd ever seen in my life in my ministries was one time somebody gave us 35000 I was absolutely dumbfounded, and I knew God was in it. It wasn't very long until we got a phone call that said, there's a little lady in Atlanta. She wants to put you in her will. I didn't know the lady. She didn't know me personally. She wanted to help the college. She put us in her will. I said, I'm going to go to Atlanta and thank her and see her. I flew to Atlanta. By the time I got there, she was in a hospital in a coma. And the Lord was saying, you're not going to get a chance to ruin this deal. Uh, you can't even talk to her, you know. So I went in the hospital. She was laying there with her mouth open in a contorted way. She was in a coma, and she died. And bless her little heart, she left us $2.2 million. And so again, we knew, here's, here's somebody I don't even know. This isn't some big contact I've got. I met a businessman a, a few months later, and uh, I said, you know, we got a college, and God has his hand on it, but I said, we, we have some real needs. He said, how much would it take you to get to the next two years? I said, about two and a half million. He said, you'll have a check in the mail in a week, and we did. And it was astounding. You need to understand something, young people. In the last six years, apart from tuition, are you ready for this? Apart from tuition paid by students in the last six years, God has given this college $26 million. This doesn't happen by accident. It happens by prayer, and it happens because people believe in what we do. They believe in what we stand for. They believe in you, and they're investing in your life. It takes us $10 million to operate the school. It takes us $10.9 million to operate the school. You, we can't charge you for that. You're the least able to afford that. I mean, it would be simple. We just charge what Westmont charges and pay all the bills. Well, you can't pay that. We would be taking money from the people who, who can least afford to give it. The other thing we could do is just say, well, um, we won't give any faculty raises. And the board suggested that this year, and I said, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. We will give faculty raises. They're the next least able to afford it. We're not going to take it from them. We're going to believe God that there are some people out there who can easily afford it. And we're going to find those people. You say, well, how do you do that? I don't know. You find them. It's amazing what happens. It's amazing what happens. I spoke to a guy the other day. I said, um, we have a $400,000 need. Do you think uh, that would be immediate need just to kind of get us through this year uh, before we hit that budget? Do you think you might be interested in that? This is, in the dark. this is out of the blue. He said to me, I think we might be very interested in that. Not somebody I'd ever met before. The Lord has a way of providing. So what we've tried to do is keep it as minimal as we can for you. But let me tell you what you need to do to help us in this. If you have any loose money, <laughs> I shared this with the seminary last week. Two seminary men came up. One gave us a check for $100, another a check for $1,000, said, I want to help. Seminary guys with families. If you know somebody that might want to invest, you know if we had 100 churches that would give $5,000 a year to this college, it would be an absolute wonder at what it would do here. Just 100 churches that would give 5000 a year, maybe your home church would help. Tell them about it. It's not that much money, really. In fact, somebody figured out that if you just saved $15 a week by not eating pizza or whatever, uh, and every student did that and put it in the college, it would make up the deficit. So it's not that much, unless you look at the whole big figure. But more than all of those things, giving, finding people to give and so forth, you know what becomes the most difficult thing for us? The most difficult thing is that we budget everything Everything is determined on how many students we're going to have. And when students don't come back, it becomes very difficult. We go out and do everything we can to recruit students and bring in, uh, what, 300 new students at the beginning of the freshman year, and that's wonderful. And then we hit the, the second semester and we lose some, and then we hit the next year and we lose. And so what happens is you wind up re-recruiting for the same student again and again and again very difficult. And we live in a day when there's not the kind of commitment we wish we had from people. And sometimes you say, well, I just don't have the money. It's not going to get any cheaper. It just isn't. And if you're, if you're in college and you're investing in a college education, let me tell you something, you're better off to borrow 10000 or 20000 even to get your education done in the fastest amount of time so you can get out in the workforce because every year you delay, you delay your earning power another year. You keep yourself out of the marketplace. And if you're going into some gainful employment, which is what we're training you to do, then it's, it's very, very, very well for you to consider the option of borrowing money so you can stay in school. Now, if you're going to go to, to Bula Bula land as a missionary, now you've got another deal going because you may not have the capability to pay that back. And so you need to think that through. But what really makes it difficult is if we plan on having a certain number of students and all of a sudden we don't have that number of students, not because we didn't get the new students, but because the other students just didn't come back, that's very difficult. Now let me tell you just another footnote and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. You know, I'm such a strong believer in what you start, you finish. And there's so many distractions today. And I watch so many young people. I talked to a girl just the other day. My son Mark and I were talking to her came here for one semester and then she just took off and went to 
to Azusa Pacific for a semester, and, and that's, that's fine. I don't want to argue with that, but just the idea that uh, you just kind of keep moving and go a little here and go. You really need to come. We have a full, full four-year program. We know what we want to do from A to Z. We know what we want you to become in Christ. We know what we want to do with you in the discipline of study that you're involved in, and we're working overtime all the time to to improve everything about this campus. and We need the resources financially to do it. But we want to pour our life into you. We want to make a long-term investment. We want to see you shaped. We want to make the kind of commitment to you that's full and, and complete. And I just want you to be really prayerful and help us to, to carry the burden and to fulfill the mission God has given us by making a commitment in your heart as God makes it possible for me, I'm going to come, I'm going to stay, I'm going to finish the work, I don't believe the Lord leads us in and out of things. I think He puts us somewhere and then expects us to be faithful and sustain that. If you have problems and there are struggles and there are difficulties, come to us and let us do everything we can to work those out for you so that you can stay and sustain it. You're going to go home not long now, two months for the summer. All kinds of things are going to yank and pull at you. And we're going to be anticipating that you all come back. We build our budget. We build our faculty. And we have to pay the faculty. We build all of our programs on the fact we're going to have you back. You don't come. That means we have 10000 less dollars to work with. Fifty of you don't come. You multiply it. We have a half a million less dollars to work with. And that makes it very, very difficult. So just trust that when the Lord leads you here, He led you here to follow through and be faithful and complete it unless there's some some real strong reasons why you're not going to stay. And you can make a great contribution just by being faithful and moving through the process of your education as the Spirit of God directs and letting us have that opportunity to maximize the, the investment that we want to make in your life. I just want to encourage you along those lines. We love you. We thank God for you. You are the school. You are the school. We never have a board meeting, and I don't say, look, Bring in the students. Let the students talk to the board. Let them find out who these young people are and what God's doing in their lives. That's what this thing is all about. our prayers, all my prayers, everything I do for the school is for you. For you. That's all. There's nothing else but you. That's the target and the goal of everything. And we want to make the investment, if you'll make the commitment to stand with us and be faithful and grow with us as we endeavor to do what we do better than we've ever done it in the past. All right? Let's stand for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this wonderful time we've shared, for the encouragement of how you're blessing us and meeting our needs And Lord, bless every student here. May they know the fullness of joy that comes by being rightly related to you, walking in the Spirit, and being in the center of your will. Lord, help them to be faithful. Help them to know that they were led by the Spirit to this place, and they need to be faithful to finish the thing you've led them to do. Provide the financial resources for them. We pray, Lord, that this campus and everybody on it, all those in administration and staff, will show the love of Christ to these students. We'll bend over backwards to meet every need they have. We'll share with them sacrificially whatever it might be that they can share. Lord, make us all sensitive to the fact that 
this is not really just an institution. This is a little piece of the body of Christ, and we're to demonstrate the same kind of attitude toward one another that you would have us demonstrate in your family. And Father, may you be glorified in all that is accomplished here. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great day.